The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm coming to you from my house. And we're going to have uh, guests coming to you from their houses. So, uh, or house, I think, because we're just having one guest today. So thrilled to be here with you. It's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Um, and today's a little different for us because uh, we didn't have a Monday. Uh, well, we did have a Monday. We just did something different with our Monday. We did our Temple Grandin Marathon, and I'm still trying to go through and answer as many of the questions as I can on the Temple Grandin Marathon. I spoke to Temple briefly yesterday. I got to call her again today and see when she's going to be back on the show. But, you know, they were doing the, uh, they were attempting to do this, the historic SpaceX SpaceX launch with NASA astronauts. And for those of you who geek on the space stuff like Temple and I do, I once I knew what was happening, because I, I guess I just have been a little out of touch. And once I had the live feed, I was like, I got to call Temple. And uh, I called her and I said, Temple, are you watching this? And she goes, no, 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 no. I'm trying to get done with what I'm doing so that I can go do it. And she goes, but the launch isn't for like 45 more minutes, is it? And I said, yes, but Temple, they're showing all the stuff that you would be grooving on right now. And her response, you're going to love this. Temple was like, oh, well, I better get down there because I want to groove on that. <laughs> and that just made me how I was like, yes, that is my conversation today with Temple Grandin. Because uh, I, I know how much uh, excitement she gets going for that kind of stuff because I have the same excitement for it. And then, of course, if you were watching it, they had they had a weather scrub that the weather was not going to work. Uh, there was too much electricity in the air. They were afraid of lightning strikes. So it was this whole thing. They had already pumped the fuel into the rockets. You see, I can geek out on it. And, uh, and then they had to pump the fuel out and the astronauts had to sit there while they did it. Uh, I got to call Temple because I'm sure she was loving every second of it like I was too. But I, I, I know, like, honestly, Temple and I should have a thing where we narrate it because we would be like, okay, so what is that thing that they just touched right there? What does that, we, you know, we're the inquiring minds. Wouldn't that be fun? They should do that. NASA should have Temple and I do a side uh, podcast while they're doing live of just us talking about, so what was that? Uh, why did they do that? That would be super fun. Anyway, uh, thrilled to be here with you on this Thursday morning. So typically on Monday, we have Bonnie Yates, but it was Labor Day. We couldn't do that. Uh, we were having a Temple Grand and Marathon. So we have Bonnie Yates is going to be joining with us today. It's really laggy, they're telling me. Okay, so I'm going to ask my husband if he can give me the cord to the, the back of the TV and hope that he hears me. 
Uh, so I apologize if it's laggy, but we're going to try to switch to Ethernet. Um, so anyway, uh, I want to remind you guys, there's lots of ways to be in touch with us this morning. Hey, look at all those people saying hi. Hi, Connie. Hi, Avani. Hi, Gamal. Hi, Gina. Hi, Israel. Hi, Gamal. I already said Gamal once, but we'll say it twice because uh, they said hello to me and hello to everyone. So uh, anyway, uh, there are lots of ways for you guys to connect with us, and we hope that you will participate in whatever way makes sense for you. We are live right now on autism-live.com, and you can chat with us there at the bottom of the page, but you can also chat with us on YouTube, on Periscope, on Facebook Live, um, Twitter, and then later on, we will podcast to iTunes, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Spotify, we're everywhere you want to be. And there are places that you do like to be that are not listed on this thing. Hey, 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 just write to us and tell us all about it and we'll see if we can get on there. We like to be places where you can get to us for free. That's sort of how we like to roll because um, I don't want to have you incur any extra expense in order to be here with us. We're about information and inspiration, not charging you. Uh, we like to have other people pay for that, <laughs> right? Uh, so anyway, that's we've been doing that for almost nine years now. So we, we, we try really hard to keep it that way. But what keeps the lights on is you guys watching. So uh, please subscribe, tell other people, share. Uh, do a review for us on iTunes. Oh my goodness, that helps us a lot. Um, but definitely like and share and subscribe. That's the name of the game and the review on iTunes. Uh, hey, Jimbo, can you give me the cord? Um, very professional. I have uh, production assistants here. <laughs> I need the cord from the, because uh, we have, we're, it's laggy today. So anyway, sorry about that. Uh, but it's, there's, there's no finesse anymore, folks, to this doing stuff at all. Anyway, um, I also want to let you know that our show, which is Information and Inspiration, is for the larger autism community. We are talking, of course, uh, to that core of the autism community that are folks that are on the spectrum. We want to provide them information and inspiration and resources so that they can lead the life that they want to leave, that it lead this important to them um, because what's important to me is not the ticket. I got to find the hole here to put it in the computer. There we go. This, uh, I do not want to leave the meeting. I'm touching things that, and now my dog's barking. It could get worse. <laughs> Stick around. Uh, but anyway, thank you, honey. Uh, there we go. So um, anyway, uh, so of course we're talking to individuals and talking with individuals who are on the autism spectrum. But in addition to that, we like to include everyone who loves them, that greater autism community. So it's like, boom, boom, um, because we want to give their voice that, that megaphone. It's like Horton hears a who, you know, the, the, they, you got to get everybody together to, to speak, to be heard, right? So um, we're trying to provide information and inspiration to that entire community. Uh, I'm a part of that community um, because I'm a very proud mom of an individual who was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half. And I got super lucky. I got stupid lucky, right? I, um, you know, was on the floor praying and saying, help me to help. And I, and the help came. And a part of that deal on the floor was show me what to do and I'll do it. And I did. 
you know, and, and we worked really hard and my son worked really hard and a whole bunch of people at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders worked really hard. Uh, but on top of that, we got lucky, um, you know, because different people learn at different rates and, and my son learned pretty quickly and he has a full rich life now that, you know, I mean, does his brain work differently than mine? Absolutely. And thank God, right? <laughs> like seriously, thank God. Um, but is he disabled? No. And if anybody wants to have that street fight with me, go ahead. Uh, cause there's no part of him that's disabled. He's so much more able than I am. So I want to help you guys to get to that or as close to that as you can get to. I'm not about wanting to change anybody's, uh, you know, thinking, uh, I don't want to change my, it's interesting. Last night I watched the new, uh, Hannah Gadsby Douglas. Ooh, there's some controversy there. Uh, but she's a, an amazing funny, intelligent, brilliant woman uh, who identifies as being on the autism spectrum. And she, woo, that's worth watching on Netflix, but get ready. It's a little, you know, there's some stuff in there. <laughs> and she says, I'm gonna make you a little uncomfortable. And there is some stuff, especially for men. Woo, she doesn't hold any punches. So anyway, I just think it's really interesting and worthwhile for the whole autism community to take a peek at that. Um, anyway, I, I got all these things going on. Um, and I want to get to the jargon of the day, but you know what? Yesterday we were having a problem on our, um, on our website. And so we couldn't, we were doing um, Ask Evelyn Kong and, and a question, two questions came in. One that I'm not qualified to answer. and I'm going to have to wait for an expert, but you know, I want people to know that I saw it. But there was another question that came in on the live feature and I did announce, don't put anything on the live feature because it's not working. Um, but then it got working during the show and that's why there were two and that's why I didn't see them. So um, I wanted to address this one. I have a nearly seven-year-old son on the spectrum who is high-functioning. We have been doing ABA since he was two until he was about five years old. Services sort of stopped once we moved to a new state and we were on a waste, wait list and we didn't hear back. And I, have been pro, I haven't been proactive about it because honestly, I needed a break. I wanted to find out if there are any types of guidelines or developmental tests we can administer at home so I can determine what are the things that I should be working on for him developmentally? And of course, just went out on that. Uh, here we go. For example, I'm having him work on tying his shoes, learning left to right things like that, but I'm not sure what other goals or targets to address. I picked up very well on the ABA process as well as what motivates my son. And I'm confident that I can create programs myself. My question really is, are there any free resources that can guide me towards what I should be working on for him at this point? And they say, thank you. And I just wanted to let you know that I, you know, I am not aware of any other free resources except for us that talk about the kinds of things that you're working on. And I gotta be honest, for what you're asking for, I don't think autism, we're, you know, it's going to be hit and miss. You're going to tune in and you go, oh, I should be working on that. But you don't want to be hit and miss. You want to be targeted and go, okay, this is my individual kid. This is exactly where he is. And these are the things that I should be working on him to maximize learning time, right? Anything less than that is the potential to spin your wheels and you don't have time. Time is of the essence when somebody is five years old. So I don't have a free resource for you, but I have a fairly inexpensive resource for you that's going to be able to give you everything that you want, and that's skills. So I want to encourage you to go to skillsforautism.com. I want you to uh, 
Um, ask them if they'll give you a trial membership. Uh, I don't know that they do this anymore. They used to do the thing where you gave them your credit, your credit card on day one and they didn't charge it till day 15. And you had all that period of time to cancel it. On the day of the 15th, you didn't cancel, then they charged your credit card, right? I don't know if they still do that, to be honest with you. But go to the website, check it out. Uh, because I always talk about the fact that skills is like going to a shopping mall, right? When you go to a mall, you don't go to go to every single store. You just don't. Nobody's going to do that. You go and you say, hey, I'm going to go to Macy's. But then once you go to Macy's, you go, you know, I got a little extra time. Maybe I'll go to Starbucks. And you go to Starbucks and then you get pulled into the Apple store. That's, but you don't go to every single store in the mall. And you don't like go and go, all right, well, now I got to go to this one. I can't go to this one next. You go where you want to go. And if you look at skills that way, you'll love it. It's big. It's a big shopping mall. And it's got everything that you need in it. Don't try to shop everywhere at the same you know, on the same day. Um, so decide before you go into skills, what am I looking for today? And it looks like to me, what you're looking for is an assessment that links exactly to skills that are specific to the child. Skills has that. Um, and so what you would do is you would go in, you would take the assessment. They're going to, it's a lot of questions. You got to pace yourself. It's not something you can do in a day, but you can do it in 14 days if you put your mind to it. And what it does when you're done shows you exactly where your child is, exactly what the difference between them and if they weren't behind were and which skills those are. And it links directly to those skills. And it says to you, here's how we would recommend you work on them in what order. Pretty good, right? Now, if you end up making it past, if you end up staying at, with skills, if they give you the 14 day free trial, there is a 10% discount right now for if you go there for Autism Live. Um, I love skills. Uh, I, I, we don't advertise anybody on this program if I don't personally endorse it. Like, just I'm not going to do that, right? Um, so, but I love skills. I absolutely love skills. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. Does so many different things, and um, they will give you a 10% discount if you tell them that I sent you over. And if they don't, let me know because they're supposed to. <laughs> Skillsforautism.com. That is what you need. Um, but it is a monthly subscription. Um, so maybe you subscribe for a month and, and tootle around in it and find all the things that you want to want to find. Um, but you might end up staying for a while longer. I want to say that the monthly subscription is around $70 a month, but then you would get the 10% discount. If you, if that, listen, when I started in the you know, uh, being an autism mom, that would have been, I couldn't have afforded that. I could not have afforded that. So don't feel shame if $70 a month is too much for you. There are places that will give grants for that specifically, uh, autism care today, um, will give grants for skills. They love to give grants for skills because for them, it's a very small price, it's, you know, uh, seven times 12 for the year. And knowing that somebody is going to get all that great information, they're very happy to give subscriptions, uh, but you got to apply, you got to do all that stuff. Okay. Uh, we uh, are running late now already, but I want to squeeze in time for the jargon. So don't forget, we have experts on the show. I'm not one of them, but I care deeply and want to help you to get to the progress that you need. You know, I look like a crazy person because I cut my hair. Uh, <laughs> 
it's just my that my OCD and this COVID thing. I just got to keep cutting my hair. What can I tell you? Uh, but anyway, let's take a look at our, the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are these experts talking about? What does it have to do with us? I keep shaking the table. I got a new desk and I keep shaking it. Sorry. Uh, that's why the, the camera moves. Um, I'm going to put my hands underneath my thighs, so I won't do it. So we try to figure out what are we talking about? What does it have to do with us? Why are we doing that? So today's jargon term, there it is, alphabet land. Uh, and this is relatively new alphabet land, RBT. What in the heck is an RBT? And I'm going to tell you that if you have a kiddo that's getting ABA, this is a term you're going to hear, especially some insurance requires that the people who work with your kiddo aren't just therapists uh, that have been trained. They have to have a specific certification and that is the RBT. So let's take a look. What is the actual definition? What does RBT stand for? It stands for registered behavior technician. All right, and let's go on right to our working definition so that we can figure out what this designation means. Um, so an RBT is an individual who has been certified to show that they understand the basic tenets of applied behavior analysis. So what it is, is that uh, many years ago, as insurance started to cover ABA, they were like, well, you know, uh, parents are telling us that some of their therapists are great and some of them are mediocre and some of them are just, right? And that it's, there's no like across the board, um, a surety of what you're going to get. And insurance likes to, you know, if they're going to spend the money, they want to know that they're spending it and that you're getting something of a certain quality, right? Um, and for instance, at CARD, therapists go through an extensive training before they ever see a kiddo and then another extensive training before they ever work with a kiddo. But not all ABA providers do that. In fact, for many years, and I don't know why I'm laughing about it, there's nothing funny about it, uh, our uh, uh, therapists would go through card training and then other ABA providers would hire them away and pay them just a dollar more an hour, but they would know that they had the benefit of the card training. It was a really shady, shady thing to do. Um, because a lot of ABA, ABA providers just didn't want to spend the amount of money that they would have to spend to train somebody. It's many, 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 many hours. Um, but eventually insurance stepped in and said, look, you know, we, we got to have some sort of a, a metric here. So they invented um, the art, well, not insurance, but somebody invented this designation and went to insurance companies and said, hey, at least, you know, if they, you'll know that if they've done this process, that they have a certain level of understanding. They didn't just walk in off the street. They have some understanding of ABA. Great. That's wonderful. Um, now, there were other people in, in the autism community who went to insurance company and said, well, you know, the, the thing about this is that depending on the training that they do for an RBT, it, they're going to be trained in applied behavior analysis, but not necessarily applied behavior analysis for autism. So another designation was made, and that's a BCAT. That's a board certified autism technician. So um, when you talk to your therapist, you know, you can ask them. And when you talk to your insurance company, what is it that you require? Some require an RBT, some require a BCAT. 
The truth is, is that more, uh, my understanding is that more insurance companies right now require an RBT. But if you think about it, um, you know, as a parent, I would rather know that somebody had autism training with their ABA, not just ABA. Um, but there are trainings that are online that you can, you as a parent or as a person on the spectrum can do the same training. I've done the training. Um, and there's, I love IBT because if you do the IBT training, it's the same. They made it so that there are certain criteria that you have to have to be able to get the RBT. They put all that into one training, but they put all the stuff for the BCAT in the training too. So you could go through and get the training for both of them in the same 40 hour class, which I super duper love. Now they have different requirements after the class. It's not just about doing the class. You have to take tests. And then uh, for each uh, designation, there's a different criteria of working with individuals, having supervision, um, and you have to do that to actually, so I am not a BCAT or an RBT because I didn't do the rest of it, but I passed the tests. So I, I, I'm always like, Ooh, look at me. Cause I, I was able to pass the test. Uh, but I did not do all the other things uh, in order to be a BCAT, but I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was talking about. Right. Uh, anyway, so there's that. And somebody wrote in and asked a question and I want to get back to it here in the chat. They asked, are RBT and, um, is skills and IBT the same? I want to take the RBT and parent course, but it's expensive. So um, skills and RBT are not the same, but in the beginning, there were, they were just one product. In the beginning, there was just skills and there was the component of it that was the assessment. There was the component of it that was dealing with challenging behavior. There was the component that was the curriculum. And then there was the component of training somebody of how to do it. And everybody agreed that shopping mall was too big. So they split them up and there was skills and there was IBT. So skills is what you teach and IBT is how you teach it. Um, they are now still separate entities, but they are being run by the same team. And that's relatively new. So if you know, if you call the skills people, they're sitting across the table from the IBT people. Um, so that's interesting. Um, uh, now, as for it being expensive, apply for a grant uh, because that's money well spent too. And you can apply for a grant through Act Today and say, you know, I, I want to, I want the paired training. Now, if you're at Card, um, you can get all that training skills and and the IBT stuff is free to card parents. And I apologize to people who aren't card parents. Uh, there is a cost for them, but there are grants to help you. Skills, uh, somebody asked, what is skills? Skills is an online tool uh, specifically for teaching someone who has um, delays in different areas. First, there's an assessment that uh, that you take as a parent and they've done studies to show that a parent can appropriately take the test and it's accurate as if they had, you know, a professional sitting with them. And um, then it, then once you take the assessment, it shows you where the child is and it shows you curricula in eight different areas and says, you know, here's what this child, uh, here are lessons that would be advantageous for this child at this age, at this level of development to help them to get caught up. Um, and it gives teaching tips too, but it doesn't teach you how to use it. If you want to know how um, to be an effective teacher of those things, you would go and take the classes at IBT. So yeah, 
card families can absolutely get discounted access. You have skills for free. Um, and if you write to me, I will make sure that you get whatever you need at IBT. Write to me at s.penrod at autism-life.com. I can only do that for card parents. And um, yeah, um, and, and I have to pull some strings, but I will pull those strings for you. Uh, all right, don't tell anybody. It's a secret between us. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, we always have, we just did our jargon. We always have a question of the day for you. So going to our question, who makes you laugh? That's funny because I was just saying that uh, we watched the Hannah Gadsby thing last night and she makes me laugh. Oh my goodness, she makes me laugh. Um, but there's a lot of people. I love I love stand-up and I love to watch comedians. You know, I used to be a stand-up comedian. Uh, we watched Patton Oswald the other day and I had the opportunity once to open for Pat Patton Oswald and I find him hilariously funny. Um, but I, you know, I, I have to say, if, I like all different kinds of stand-up comedians. They make me laugh. Ray Romano makes me weep. I laugh so hard. But who makes you laugh? It's important to tune into those things. Can I tell you that in the early days of autism, when my husband and I were just like, we did not have it together and we were in the grief part which I think is an important part of it, not trying to make light of that at all, uh, but it's not the fun part, let's just be honest, right? And we are people who love to watch television, uh, just who we are. And um, we had, uh, I don't know whether it was a box set or what it was, but we, or whether we recorded it, but it was uh, a whole series of Triumph the Insult Dog and I don't know why, but it was, we watched it almost every day and we would just laugh and laugh and laugh. And it was the thing that kept us remotely sane. And it was a way for us to connect. And sometimes like I, you see me got, we cry all the time on the show, but those are happy tears, right? When I'm upset about something, it's very hard for me to access the tears. Like I just don't give myself permission to cry, but if you get me laughing, then it's like, I can't turn off the faucets and then the tears can come. And sometimes, man, you just need that, right? So I think a, a really good belly laugh is super duper important. I find it ironic that, you know, for probably two years, we watched Triumph the Insult Dog every single day, my husband and I, and laughed. And if something was going, you know, there's a whole thing, it's a puppet, you know? And, and there's a whole thing that the, the puppet is rude and he's just horrible to people. And, and I guess maybe, you know, it was that we felt like being rude to people. So it was funny to us. And then the dog's answer for everything is, you know, for me to poop on. So it says, you know, uh, you know, your hair looks, you know, the, the dog, the puppet says your hair looks lovely. And then there's a pause and he goes, for me to poop on. I mean, the most sophomoric humor, but we would laugh and laugh and laugh until we would cry. And then of course, years later, it's all interrelated. I realized that the voice of the dog is Robert Smigel, who is a very, very funny man. And that he's a part of our community. He has two kids on the spectrum. And, and like, when I realized that I was like, oh, there's something about, there's nothing in his humor. There's nothing in Triumph the Insult Dog that would tell you that it was about autism, but there was just something in my DNA that connected and my husband's DNA that connected and, and it, it was what we needed. Um, so big shout out to Robert Smigel. Who makes you laugh though? 
share who makes you laugh and, and let's talk about that. Everybody needs a little laugh, especially right now. Don't we need it? Okay, we always have a topic of the week. And for those of you who remember from day before yesterday or Monday, I love this topic this week. Never take a no from someone who wasn't authorized to give you a yes. Um, and I just think that should be crocheted on a pillow or put on a frame in on a wall in a hallway that you walk by every day. And especially if you are a member of the autism community, that core autism community or that larger autism community, the people who care about folks on the spectrum, you are going to need this t-shirt because people are going to tell you no, that weren't authorized to tell you yes. And if you stop there, you're not going to get where you want to get to. You're going to have to steal yourself and, you know, you call whatever number you need to call for whatever thing that you need to call. I don't care whether it's for your ordering lunch or you're trying to get an ABA provider, but you've got to realize that the person who's answering the phone is not authorized to give you a yes. Um, that's why they're answering the phone. Those are great jobs. They're great people. I'm not trying to be little, but let's be honest. They aren't authorized to give you a yes. So don't take a no from those people. You've got to move up the food chain and you've got to say, hey, can I speak to a supervisor? Can I speak to a manager? Um, can I speak to somebody who has some expertise on that? And if the person on the phone is worth their salt, they're going to make it hard for you to get past them. They're the gatekeeper, but you've got to work it. You've got to get past them. you got to be nice. I'm all about being nice. I don't think that yelling ever got anybody anything they really wanted, right? Um, there's lots of ways to massage a situation, but the main thing is you don't ever take a no from someone who wasn't authorized to give you a yes. That's from Maya Angelou to Oprah to me to you. Never take a no from somebody who wasn't authorized to give you a yes. So today on the show, we have the amazing Bonnie Yates, who I think is uh, hopefully already joining us. And because uh, I'm really late, she's been waiting. I, I talked way too long. Is she with us, Traven? Dum, 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 dum. No, she's not with us. All right, so let me text her and see if she is joining us. Um, but uh, you guys can also be writing in in the interim, and Bonnie might have gotten gotten held up at an IEP because she it is still IEP season. Yes. Um, hold on, as we know, I can't type and do anything at the same time. Um, oh. Is that her? No, nope. I don't know what's happening. Uh, and Traven, if you have the opportunity, if you can resend her to the link, because she may not realize uh, that she already has the link, uh, but go ahead and, and do that. So these are the places where you guys can connect uh, with us and ask your questions. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, we're going to give her a minute here and I'm going to go ahead and, and read the question that I'm not qualified to answer, but I have another question that will help me so that when I have somebody qualified to ask it, the question that came in yesterday was a general question. I'm working with a high functioning client who is really doing well with contrived situations, uh, yet has much difficulty applying the information in real life situations. We keep providing different scenarios and role-playing various situations, and we do see an increase in generalized skills 
with the more scenarios and situations being role-played. Being that she is reaching 100% on her graphs with the contrived scenarios, how do I continue working on these skills in the contrived setting yet, uh, if it seems as though she has mastered the skill? For example, she has much uh, difficulty perspective taking and engaging in appropriate expected behavior in social settings. For example, during the last session, she stuck her hand into a peanut butter and started a jar and started eating out of it. In a contrived setting, she would be able to tap that it is inappropriate behavior in a public setting. Okay, so here's my question for you. Um, is that you said that when you continue to work on things um, where you're role-playing, that she then, uh, you are seeing the, the general, it is working, it's just working slowly is what I think I'm reading into this that she is able to generalize some of it, some of the time, but the problem is, is your mastery criteria is what I'm hearing. So your mastery criteria says that she is getting the, the thing at hundred percent. And this is one of the things that we talk about on the show is what is mastery and how do you set mastery criteria? And I always say, it's very important to remember, don't let the tail wag the dog. So in the beginning, before you start doing a lesson, you come up with a plan for how to generalize. And this is for the parents, not for you, because an expert needs to answer your question. But um, you, you come up with a plan for generalization. So the plan in the beginning is we're going to teach this and then we're going to role play it. And then we're going to see if she's able to do it in the real life situation. And to some extent, the more you role play, the more she's able to do it in the, the situation. Um, so the issue here isn't that it isn't working. You might want to tweak a couple of things and ask yourself in which situations, what helps her to generalize, like what, when you're, when it is working, what's working about it? I think Bonnie's here. Um, so, uh, but my question is, is it just the mastery criteria criteria that's wrong? If what we're trying to do is get to it being in the real life situation, and she's only doing that 10% of the time, just change your mastery criteria to it being it has to generalize. I think, you know, but an expert needs to answer your question. Um, uh, who can I connect with to get access to IBT? I'm a card mom. Uh, just write to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com, and I will connect you. There's Bonnie. Sort of. <laughs> are you able to be with us now? Because if you're not, just say no, so. No, I, we'll I am able. I am able. I just, okay. uh, I didn't know what to do to get a hold of you. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right. Uh, uh, so, uh, and what uh, you always have a different background, a different oh, backdrop. This is, this is supposed to be for your entertainment. This is this. Uh, this is this back. Uh, this this is a little deck that we had off of our bedroom. And we never, ever, ever, ever used it. And then my husband put a table out here, which was great, but then it was really sunny. So then he ordered these weird bamboo curtains, which give me shade during the, the day. So it's an indoor-outdoor indoor -outdoor thing. Yeah. I love it. Just so we don't be on top of each other, you know. That's, well, it's very important. I know yeah. we're trying to find little nicks and nooks and crannies where people can be here so that we have, it's important that we have time to ourselves. I like, your little, I like your little chop that you did. Uh, yeah, and, and it really is me that did it. It's a little on the crazy side, good. but um, I, I have hats when I can't stand it anymore. 
so that I can, you know, I can, I can be all jaunty. You've got a great uh, face and great hair. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you said to my husband, uh, it's very interesting what people say when you cut your hair off that uh, a viewer wrote in yesterday and said, you know, there are not many people who could pull that off, but I think that you are. But you totally are. But, you know, I was, I was like getting ready for you to come on and have your head shaved. Well, uh, you know, well, I mean, it's pretty I, I, close. I got it's pretty close, and I, it still could happen because this is my OCD out for a walk. No trichotillomania, please. <laughs> no, I'm not pulling it out. There's no pulling it out. It's just, um, it's you know, I there are so few things I can control right now, and my hair is one of them that I cannot control because there's my hair is curly, so I, I just love keep your hair. I've well, been and, getting, I have a friend that's really lovely. Um, she's a school district attorney in Northern California. We've been exchanging emails this morning because she made donuts over the weekend. And today okay. I wrote her and I was like, how many do I get today? You know, <laughs> we're so burned out. I'm, I'm so burned out this week. Oh, because it's like IEP craziness right now, right? Yeah, and I've got a case that's going to hearing on Monday. So. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, look, it is so sweet of you to be here. Uh, my assumption is we will not have you on Monday then. Uh, let me look at that and email you. If you're going to hearing, I, like, I would rather you focus on it, that. But... Well, no, it may settle. Oh, 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 well, there we have. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't hear that. Uh, okay, do we? Uh, let's start with, this is Bonnie Yates. She's a special education attorney working with the Tolner Law Offices, and she is amazing. And she joins us to talk about your rights on a regular basis. And Bonnie, tell us about Tolner Law Offices and give us the disclaimer. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Tolner Law Offices is an aid attorney firm with... Um, locations in San Jose, El Segundo, and Irvine, and we do special education and disability discrimination and a few million other things, and um, we're happy to be here this morning to talk to you during school closure about your rights. Anything we say on this program is basically being said from the vantage point of working in California and under California law. And if you need an attorney in another state, we refer you to COPA, C-O-P-A-A.net. Um, if you are in California and you want a consultation with us, we do that on a complimentary basis. And you can go to our website, uh, fill in the paperwork and we'll get back to you with a time to talk. Um, we are giving lots of general advice these days, particularly in light of the rule changes since school closure. But I'm really finding that I'm also getting very specific questions from people. And if you do have a specific question, it really, this isn't really a substitute for that. Also, I just heard about this cool thing called Air Tutor. That mm -hmm. somebody, do you know about Air Tutor? No. It's supposedly like the most optimal online virtual education platform and I just heard about it from another attorney today people may want to check it out it's supposed to be great for kids who are going to have to do this online learning for a while I haven't researched it yet but okay air tutor though we'll yeah AIR tutor yeah all right I, yeah. I, I'll bet they're going to be a guest on this show next week you know that would be very cool 
that's uh, I, I've made a note. Okay. Um, so Bonnie, we had some questions that were left over. Do we want to launch into those or do we, we do. have something you want? Okay. So the first question that we had was, can we ask to have our kid repeat their grade in light of all this stuff I'm presuming? In our case, our son is in 11th grade. It, you know, that's a hard one because you're kind of, um, you know, right up against uh, graduating the next year. You didn't say if your son was on a high school diploma track or whether he's gonna get a certificate of completion, but it, it really sounds as if you're thinking he's gonna graduate in the 12th grade year. Um, I have had some discussions with districts about retention recently, which surprised me because retention's a dirty word. I think rather than retention for the 11th grade, I think the question should be, are you going to have sufficient credits to val to um, graduate from high school by the end of next year? Do you feel like if you have been given credit in certain subjects, that's a realistic reflection of what your student actually knows and can do? Or, I mean, I think you do. See, this is a problem with my little curtain setup. Um, I think you do need to have an IEP meeting ASAP to discuss these issues, and I wouldn't be talking about retention. I'd be saying delay graduation to make sure that, that the person has enough time to do credit recovery. We talked about graduation recently on the show, and I mentioned that the problem you run into is you, if you get like too close to your 12th grade graduation date, you can't file for due process and invoke stay put. And if you actually do graduate, it's very unlikely that you're gonna be able to get into due process after the fact and get compensatory education. So now is the time to talk about this. The trouble with graduation in California is they got rid of the high school exit exam and they basically now say that the particular school district just has to offer equivalent courses that meet, you know, the academic requirements for the state of California. And they don't like look under the sheets so much by which I mean, if you got a C in expository language, or I don't know what the language arts class would be. They don't say, well, you pass this class, but when we test your reading, you're reading on a fourth grade level. They just say you pass the class. So those challenges are difficult because of that and you're if you are going to try to retain the student for an extra year or two or whatever it's going to be you're definitely going to need an outside evaluation to show that the student can't possibly be passing some of these classes that he's supposedly passing given his skill level so there's it, it can be done there's a workup required um and you got to start it now which is good you got like some months to work this out i'm glad you're not in 12th grade or your, yeah. your students not in 12th grade. Absolutely, thank you for all that. Uh, the next question, can we ARD for ABA therapy for half the day or something like that? And they don't specify how old the kiddo is. No, they don't, they don't. No. Well, I think, I think uh, for the listeners that are in states other than Texas, you can request anything you want. That's always the case but is it gonna work or not? Are you talking about a preschooler? Are you talking about somebody that's less than six years old? Are you talking about somebody that's in elementary school? Um, I really need to know those facts. So if you'll write back in and provide more details, we can answer the question because it is a good one and it does come up, the question of dual enrollment. 
And for those of you who are scratching your head, they, they call the IEP meeting the ARD meeting in Texas. So. It's like assignment review and something. Yeah, well. Don't mess with that. It's, I always think of an aardvark. I don't know why. Uh, it's just where my head goes. Uh, okay, next question. Is the distance learning plan uh, as per IDEA for all the 50 states? My understanding is that if your state is giving services to regular ed children, you have to give services to special ed children. Whether your state does it in the way we do in California, I don't know. California is not doing it uniformly, but the general concept, whether it's called a distance learning plan or whether it's called an aardvark, um, you <laughs> are supposed to have, it, the first question is, if you, is your district providing education to regular ed students? If so, it's discriminatory not to provide it to special ed students. So, you know, you should be able to go onto their website district website and get some information about what they are and aren't doing. But again, if they're providing education to general ed students, they have to provide some kind of equivalent opportunity for special ed students. Um, and I'm assuming that they're doing it virtually because of health, health concerns. So yeah. Okay. And so it's weird because it's at the end of the school year, but is it can we assume that for every kid who has an IEP that there should be a distance learning plan being discussed right now? Well, they should be, Whether well, I don't care what you call it. Um, they should be trying to the best of their abilities to implement the IEP. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you can call it a modified IEP. You can call it a school closure IEP. But the point is they're supposed to be doing something and you might want to, get back to us with what they're doing for the regular ed students. It seems like it's very state by state. So like in California, we have Senate Bill 117, which seems to be governing what the districts do and don't have to do for special ed. So that's interesting to look at if you are in California. When the federal government got done with all of this, really the only stuff that California was allowed to have waivers on were the timelines for producing records and doing assessments. Um, so everything else is supposed to be in place and you're, they're supposed to be implementing the IEP as, as closely as they reasonably can. But since they aren't giving correspondence to the IEP in the sense of there's no school placement, there's no face-to-face -face related services, they're writing up some other plan to show you what you are gonna get. And if your question is, is it gonna be unwise for me to go through this time period without a written plan, the answer to that is yes, for several reasons, including present accountability, but also if you wanna make future claims for comp ed, you're gonna be able to, you're gonna to need to be able to show what was done versus yeah. what should have been done. Well, just on a basic level, it's that whole thing, I always mess this phrase up, but it's that whole thing, you either uh, fail, you, if you plan, Oh, you, you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's the thing. Okay. So uh, we don't want to plan to fail. So let's, let's have a plan. plan. Absolutely. Now we mentioned before it's IEP season and you've been going to your fair share of IEPs, Bonnie, and they want to know, do you have any tips for parents? We've, you know, we've worked for years to get better at what it's like sitting at the table with everybody, but now it's virtual. Do you have any tips for parents for virtual IEPs? Um, well, I do. I haven't really thought about 
the problem of having children at home while you're trying to do this virtual IEP. My general rule is I don't like children to be the subject of a meeting that's going on where they're hearing people talk about their unique needs. So yeah. I'd say question number one is how are you going to do this in a time, place, and manner so that you have privacy? There's actually a very funny um, ABC newscaster who's got this great program called 10% Happier about meditation. He like decided to like spin off into that. So they were asking him like last week, where are you recording from? And he said, my wife's closet. So, <laughs> you know, if that's good enough for ABC News. Right. Um, it might be good enough for you. Um, I like the Rev app, app, R-E-V, on my smartphone. That's really easy to record on. You can email the meeting contents. You can get them transcribed if you need to. So download the Rev app on your phone and give them uh, 24 hours written notice that you intend to record the meeting. Let's see what else. I mean, I'm not the best illustration of this, but like if there's anything personal on the walls in your room or stuff that you think is inappropriate, by which I really mean, you know, personal, I don't mean like, you know, obscene or something, but just think about what people are going to see when they watch you in the meeting. Uh, today's not a very good example because I'm officially allowing myself to be burned out today, but I do try to suit up and show up for meetings. I think you'll feel like I've had some funny exchanges with prospective clients where I'm like, let's do this on, you know, as a Zoom meeting. And they're like, no, we'll have to brush our hair. I'm like, well, you don't have to brush your hair for me. But I, I do think it conveys a certain degree of seriousness. If you're if you're going to meet with these people to show them that you um, are organized, uh, they tend to be projecting the documents on the screen of your computer, which makes it hard then for you to see the, the participants. Um, I like to ask for the documents, like the draft IEP documents, the progress report and the goals a few days in advance, and I print them out because I just don't really always do that well with, with the, the screen. Um, well, here's a fun thing. If you need, if your meeting's three hours long and you drink water during these meetings the way I do, because I, I find that my throat gets dry and you need to take a break um, an hour and a half into it, you just say, hey, listen, I need to just step away for a minute. I'll be right back. You know, I need a health break. Let's turn off the recorders. And then the beauty of the thing is I don't have to have some teacher walk me all the way around the school and get the key and open the bathroom. It's like, you know, I have my own plumbing, which is nice. And you'll have that too. I like to have water. Um, I like to have you know, notepaper and um, pens and things like that. And it's your meeting. Uh, so, you know, it, if you can't, if, if people are freezing constantly and you're not able to hear them talking, that's not gonna be good for your recording, but it's also not gonna be good for you. So at the beginning of the meeting, I'd spell out like, what's the protocol for what, if we have technical problems? I always ask at the beginning of the meeting, are there time constraints? And, and, and if there are going to be time constraints, who are we going to lose? And should we put those people on first? Um, for students that are in private school, it's very important to get the participation of the private school in the IEP meeting. 
provided you've talked to those people first and you know what they're going to say so that they don't say the wrong stuff. So um, I'd make sure for your home IEP meeting that you get their buy-in so they can participate in the meeting as well. Um, it's actually been easier to schedule meetings with everybody at home because it, the fact that we're not moving from point A to point B to point C, like district administrators this time of year, they might have three IEP meetings in a day and one might be in the high school over here and another might be at this middle school two miles away. So it's actually been easier to schedule meetings. But, you know, I just want to say if you've got a distance learning plan and you haven't had an IEP meeting to talk what's going to happen in the fall and what's going to happen for the foreseeable future i'm really worried about that and i really want you to request an ip meeting like right now because otherwise i'm i'm really worried about where you're going to be at in september so and and schools are winding down and closing now for the summer like request that meeting this mill millisecond i agree with you bonnie um, they want to know, how do you speak to the no aid issue? It's on the IEP, but it wasn't delivered. And for and, and a lot of people are in this boat right now. It wasn't delivered because they were at home and the school didn't send them at home. What do they do? Uh, well, there are exceptions where you can be um, required to provide services in the home. I'll send you a little blurb about that. As far as the aid issue, what would the aid have done at home that you couldn't do? would be my question. You're, hate to say it, but you're the teacher and the aide. If you, if you in fulfilling your role as teacher or aide need more training, LRP, which is the, you know, school district attorney legal clearinghouse has put out stuff that said, consider parent training for parents, can, you know, uh, in whatever areas they need the help, assistive technology or anything else, consider counseling for parents. Um, it, it, it may be possible, it may start to be being more possible in the future to have people come in into the home, but there are all kinds of health concerns that the districts realistically are dealing with on behalf of their employees and your child. It's kind of on a case by case basis. Um, but if you can articulate what you lost during this time period, once school reopens, you can probably ask for some compensatory services. The thing is, if your child was able to make progress without the, when you say aid, I'm assuming you mean paraprofessional and not behavioral therapist. If it's a behavioral therapist, my answer would be I'm more concerned because I think that's more of a loss. But if your child's been able to be within the range of instruction and get passing grades during COVID anyway, without the one-to-one -one aid, you're probably not gonna get comp ed for the time period. But I will send in the language um, that, that discusses what the standard is. I just don't have it at the tip of my tongue today. But, um, but I have some, so many questions though, Bonnie. That's I have so, I have so many questions. Some, some families are definitely getting people coming into the home and providing face-to-face -face services. So it's not impossible. Okay, but if you don't, if you're in a district where your kid was going to school, they had a one-on-one -on -one aid, now they're at home, they're, you know, the teacher is giving whatever form of instruction they're giving, and the expectation is that now suddenly your child is supposed to be able to do it without an aid. They couldn't do it in the classroom with, you know, without an aid, and now there's, because they're magically at home, and well, for you some- Well, the, 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 the listener didn't say they couldn't do it in the classroom. 
Well, but I would assume if the school is paying for an aid, I would assume that the aid was necessary. And that might oh, be yeah, a lot absolutely. of assumption. But, but what, what I'm saying is that like, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but as a parent, if the parent worked and now they're being told, well, we can't send, our hands are tied. We can't send an aid to go work with your child. Your child can't access the curriculum without an aid, but it's now up to you. I love the parent who goes, okay, I'll do it. Um, but they are entitled to training, which is great. We didn't know that going into this, but there are many parents who either can't or won't. Maybe they have to work in order to keep the roof over the head. Um, I would think that, um, that they would be entitled to compensatory because they couldn't access the curriculum because there wasn't somebody there to help them to access the curriculum. Um, that might be possible. And if that's the situation, you should be having an IEP right now. You shouldn't be waiting. I wasn't clear in the hypothetical example, but you know, whether the parent I'm, I'm operating under the assumption that the parent was available, which isn't fair, but there's a lot of stuff right about right now that kind of sucks in California. Parents are doing a double shift. They're doing, yeah. they're oh doing, man. You no. Know, and here's, here's the other concern I have is that you know, here in California, or at least in our school district, what they've said is that basically the classes are now akin to being pass fail. If the kid is showing that they put in effort, then it's, you know, that they passed and they're going to get an A. Um, if the kid doesn't show up for class and doesn't put forth any effort, then it's a fail. But if you showed up and even attempted that it's a pass. So all of a sudden, all these kids are going to get an A for being at home with the parent. I'm afraid it's going to come back in the fall and go, see, they were able to get an A without an A. They don't need it in the classroom. Well, that's, what, that's why if you sign your distance learning plan, you have to make sure that you say it's temporary. I haven't really seen districts trying to pull that yet, and hopefully they won't. Hopefully. But, um, but I circulated a form a couple weeks ago that was a documentation form that Yes. You guys can use. I think that the 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 pass fail or the A grade or whatever isn't going to trump a, a good record of being able to show what your child actually was doing. And you know, um, some uh, well-timed camera phone videos of your child's difficulty in in learning would be good things to to store and share with your IP meeting team. Okay, so document. Be documenting. Well, document, document, film, document. You know, yeah. I've film your kiddo trying to access the curriculum with the distance learning. And you don't have to show the video if you choose not to, but film it on several occasions so that you have it if you need to. I mean, one of the things that's really clear in the law is if, you, if your child can't do this using existing technology, you're entitled to different additional technology. And that's where stuff like AirTutor can maybe be helpful. There we go. Um, uh, we are at the end of the hour, Bonnie. It goes so fast when you're here because I'm so engaged. But um, thank I'll you so you the, much. Send you the verbiage. Okay. And then let us know if you're joining us on Monday, how that looks. I will do that. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Have a good Take weekend. Care.
You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I just have a, a minute here and I want to address because a couple of people wrote in a couple of questions. Uh, somebody said, I'm stimming a lot more. Is this normal? Uh, we are in lockdown. Are the noises part of autism in an adult or anxiety? And I got to be honest that I think it's different for different people, but yes, we are all experiencing more anxiety. Look at my hair. Um, and it shows up in interesting ways. Some people are eating more. Some people are exercising more because it's stress and they need it. Um, we do things to comfort ourselves. It's just, it's just a fact of life. And so, sometimes we do things that are productive and sometimes we do things that are not productive. And it doesn't matter unless the non-productive thing is preventing us from doing something else or causing harm. So, you know, for the executive who clicks his pen when he's nervous or thinking about something, it's not hurting anybody. But if it's driving other people crazy and making them so that they can't concentrate, then I don't. There, maybe there's a cost for it. But um, you know, my understanding is that making noises is considered an automatic reinforcing behavior, and there's something about it that it's a paycheck for you. Maybe it helps to center you. Um, maybe, you know, it helps to calm you. Maybe it helps you to focus. And if it's not harming you or anybody around you, I don't think I would worry about it overly much right now. The fact that you're aware of it is a really good sign. Um, and, and, you know, maybe if when it's happening, if you stop and ask yourself, what, why am I, why am I doing that? What am I feeling right now? Just to have even more awareness on it. But I'm, I'm not surprised at all. I think all of us, whatever our STEM is, and everybody has STEMs on the spectrum, not on the spectrum, everybody has STEMs. Um, we're doing more of them right now. We just are. Um, so bless your heart. I think, I think you're doing a great job. And then I want to be clear. Somebody wrote in and said, I'm confused now. Is IBT $7 a month or is it skills? Nothing is $7 a month. For um, skills, the membership is like 70, 70, and I think it's like $75 a month, but then you get the 10% off uh, if you say that you called from Autism Live. Uh, IBT, you pay for individual trainings, and some of those are just $7. And you for to, to have the video for a month or two months. Uh, if you want to keep it longer, you can keep it longer. Uh, it's like renting a video sort of, uh, sort of thing. And different videos have different costs. If you wanted to do the entire of the RBT BCAT training on IBT, the cost would be around $440 for the entire thing um, across the whatever time period that you did it. And keep in mind, if you're doing the RBT or the BCAT, there is a time limit. I think for RBT, you have to complete the training within 90 days. It's 40 hours of training. So you can get it done in a week, um, but a lot of people break it up over more than that. And I already got the email from the parent about IBT. So I've got that. Uh, and somebody said, I saw the new Patton Oswalt. My 18 year old autistic son loves him and had us watch him. We watch a lot of comedy, best medicine, great way to cope with stress. I agree. We like AFB and I love uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. It's a great thing to watch with our kiddos. Great thing to turn the sound down and say, what do you think they're feeling with the sound off, right? Uh, we love it so much that we have had Vin DeBona, the producer, on the show. 
I talked about how many kids with autism and teens with autism love AFE and how they learn so much. And of course, Tom Bergeron's been on the show as well. Uh, they also love SNL, The Office, Friends, and News Bloopers. Oh, those are funny, right? Uh, we went through many phases with my son. I, he, right now, he loves Conan O'Brien and he loves um, John Oliver uh, this week, uh, tonight. And, uh, but for, for a while, all we ever watched were goats screaming to songs. Google it. Uh, goats screaming to songs, you will lose the next day laughing. Uh, and somebody else says you rock that hair seriously. My mother-in-law cuts her hair when she is stressed. This is me. This is me. Uh, so anyway, they say they love the color. That's wonderful. Okay, you guys, uh, tomorrow on the show, licensed marriage and family therapist Vince Redmond is joining Nancy and I for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. It's going to be great. If you have questions for him, you can go ahead and write those in now. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.